0: Hi friend, it's 2020, and let's be real. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and sometimes overwhelming. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love, and truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement in the midst of living, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm joined today by my very special co-host.
1: Brian Wood.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I'm joined today by my very sexy, I mean special co-host.
1: Colin Firth.
0: (laughs) We're thankful you're listening today. This month, we've been talking about finding clarity around living happily ever after because basically we're talking about healthy marriage relationships. No matter what stage of life you're currently in, our hope is that you find these episodes of the podcast encouraging, insightful, and practical.
1: We're asking some reflective questions throughout this month that you can also ask yourself and your spouse. Those questions and other resources are available on Janelle's website at www.janellewood.com. Just look for the section at the top that says Clarity 2020.
0: Today, we are excited to be interviewing guests who have been married for five years. They are raising three young men and three young women. They are passionate about the Lord and each other. And we are so excited to welcome Patrick and Brandy Stroh to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us today. We're super excited to chat with you. Um, So when we first met, which I think was almost a year ago or so, not quite a year ago, I remember that you may have introduced yourself as the Brady Bunch. Is that right? (laughs) We may have, yes. (laughs) For those who are listening, would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and who you are?
2: Um, Well, we have been married for five years now. Um, We are a um, blended family, and we have three boys, three girls. I brought in three girls and one boy to the family, and Patrick brought in two boys to the family. We met through a friend, I think, and then he served within the Navy. And um, his friend Roxanne in the Navy, we both were friends with her, and she introduced us. She just sent me a message one day and said, I have this guy I think I want you to meet. And, um, and I asked, is he cute? And, <laughs> and she said, yeah, I think so. And so she sent me his picture, and he was good looking. So I said he couldn't start messaging me. And
0: so that's how we met. So what did you think of her when you met her for the first time?
3: Well, when I met her for the first time, I met her um, through an instant messenger message. I was actually out at the beach, and um, it's not a a typical way to meet somebody. Yeah, it was a very unusual way to meet someone, um, but she lived near Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was out at the beach at Westport uh, one day with my sons. And... um, uh, post getting all getting a message from our mutual friend Roxanne as well. I think three or four weeks had went by, and then out of the blue, I got a message from Brandy Bays Griffith at the time, and um, just from there, um, we just started messaging each other, and and right away, it went from um, basic communication to um, some pretty deep deep stuff, and um, what that was pretty great to have somebody. Um, really that I, I'd never met before, share some similar uh, pains and joys, um, and really just at a safe distance as far as just, it was just a personal, yeah, it was just a great time to get to know somebody um, quite a ways away. Um, a very honest conversation um, had started that day and just continued through throughout the summer, and that was in June of 2014.
0: How long did you guys know each other before you got married?
3: Forever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A really long time. Six months, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. We were married within six months of first starting to talk. Wow. So what is it that you love the most about each other? For me, he's one of the most selfless men I've ever met. Um, Just continually sacrifices, continually thinks about what I need or what I want or what the children need or what the children want and constantly thinks about how can I meet those needs how can I help with this how can I help at home and just the selflessness I was completely blown away by how selfless he can be
3: well she's smoking hot so that was <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to say that first so. uh, you get points for that I mean <laughs> just an absolutely wonderful person I mean who she is that I get to see every day um, is the same person everybody else gets to see she is very selfless she's a very considerate person Uh, to say she's a great mom really is an understatement and she's taken on quite a bit we have six kids as you mentioned together so there is no slow day when it comes to parenting so the fact that she can keep up like she does every single day is a superpower Um, There really isn't anything I don't love and admire about her.
0: What are the ages of your kids? (laughs) You want me to answer this? Or the age range. How about the age range?
3: (laughs) uh, We have six kids and they range from ages eight through 17.
0: Wow. So, what do you believe are the most important things to consider when it comes to choosing a life partner? I think it's really important to have a
2: standard before you even meet somebody, like just to have a general idea of, it's really important for me to have, you know, X, Y, or Z in a man and not necessarily shallow things or anything like that is um, his relationship with God. Is it really sincere? Does he have a true, um, strong relationship with God? And if there's um, any red flags you see beforehand, like take note because I think it's really easy to ignore those when you're dating but they usually become big things later on and for me it's just the relationship with God and then the character and see how they are with other people and if they're the same people in every um, area of their life
3: all I I agree Um, absolutely for myself and getting the the chance to get married again uh, prior to meeting Brandy, I was pretty content being single. Um, I, I guess it's because I was single for a few years, so I thought, well, this is how it's going to be primarily. But I got the chance to to finally meet somebody and, uh, and walking into that and developing a friendship first, which was great because it was only by um, talking on the phone or Skyping or through messaging. It was a pretty healthy, Brandy really says this well, um, but it's really a healthy way for us to get to know each other. And considering as well that we were both divorced and had kids of our own, 2,000-plus miles between us, we both had stories that they cross-tied as far as experiences in some ways. And in other ways, they were completely different. So coming into a relationship and and thinking about marriage, absolutely. um we have to be like-minded as far as the, the basics of the faith. That was very important for me, separated from her. Um, and as well, being a parent, um, for me, I, I wanted somebody who was a parent already. And it's to no, no offense to anybody that is not, but they just understand things a, a little bit different, especially since there was a lot of, um, a lot of chaos previous to Mary and Brandy you know, going on regarding parenting. And I'm sure she can say the same thing.
1: So I think we've early, touched on the standards before in a couple of the other podcasts that we did. And I, I think one of the things that I I would was wondering is, how, did those standards change? Because you now have, well, with Brandy, four kids that you're evaluating a future spouse with two. And then also, how do you manage that that blending of those family members taking four from one and two from another and bringing them together but also building your relationship through that in a way that's on, on a strong foundation
2: that's a piece of cake um I'm we, glad you asked that
0: that was my question this is what he, <laughs> this is what he did last time <laughs> <laughs> he asked this great question the other day and they go oh brian that was such a great question it was my question (laughs) and i go i didn't see it this time it's okay (laughs) but just to add to that i come from a blended family and um i i know uh, firsthand some of the difficulties that can come uh, from uh, having you know, different feelings, different perspectives, different emotions over rejection and loss and all those different things that come with it. Um, I have older half siblings whom I love very much, but our relationships are very complicated. So how have you guys piggybacking on what you just asked Brian? How do you guys navigate that? And what have been some things that have helped? think it's just very intentional
2: because it's easy to be drawn towards your biological children and to be defensive of them and and things it you have to be really intentional to make sure you're doing you know the same for one set of kids as you're doing for the other like over and over again because they pick up on it the other spouse picks up on it and they're everybody's extra sensitive about it so you always have to go like above and beyond and I like, I'm always making sure if I've done this for this one, I try to do this for, you know, all of the others as well. So we are just both very intentional. If we do one, something for one, we make sure that we do it for all of them so that there's not one kid that feels like, oh, you know, that they don't love me as much or something along those lines. And I think that's been very crucial um, for us to blend together as a family. And like, even with like showing attention as far as um, discipline as well too. Like we would talk about before like, okay, what are our disciplines gonna be for lying? Or what are our disciplines gonna be for this? And we try to, not always successful, but we try to keep it the same across the board so we you know don't get more angry at one set than the other or anything along those lines.
3: No, I think that was great. Maybe I. the only thing I would add to that is just having patience. I think patience for your own biological kids comes a little easier than it does from kids that are moving into your world or vice versa. I mean, our worlds came together. Um, patience can't, cannot be overstated in regards to, to just taking the time to try to get to know the other kids. They obviously came from, unfortunately, a broken home so I didn't fully understand everything that was going on. Same with Brandy, she didn't fully understand everything that was going on. Like we said, our very, very lengthy engagement of six months really didn't prepare us for everything. But taking the time, everything she said, absolutely, and and then also with that, just taking the time and being patient
0: with them. I just have one follow-up question to that. Um, After having been through the heartbreak of divorce, both of you and your own stories, like then getting married after six months what was it that made you so sure this time around for me I because
2: there was such a, a bad experience with my first marriage um, I had a lot of reservations about different things and I would start to the fact that he was 2,000 miles away was a huge benefit for me because I just felt like if he was weird or I didn't like him, I could just block him and not have to ever look at him or deal with him again. So it was safe. It was a safe place for us to talk, and for me, who's not a very transparent or open person usually anyway, to be able to be transparent and more open with him. And um, and I had a list of things that I thought you know I wanted in a man, and he covered every single one of them, and every time I started to have anxiety about, um, you know, is he into pornography or something, I would have anxiety about it, without me even asking, because I'm not the type of person that would just ask that kind of question or anything, he would just sit there and tell me, you know, I've never really had an issue with this, like, almost every time the anxiety level in my heart would start to go up, like, oh, I don't know, what if he's this, what if he's that, you know, what if he's a liar, what if he's, you know, this, and Um, every single time, it was like God was just showing me, like, no, like, he would just say it, like, without me asking, he would just tell me, and I'm just like, wow, like, so for me, it was just God confirming it over and over and over again, even to the point, like, my one shallow request for a husband was that he would be (laughs) 6'4", like, because I'm 5'10", and I did, I wanted to be able to wear heels with my husband, and, um, and so that was, You know, me asking God, like, Lord, I know this is shallow, but this is what I really want. And then me asking him, you know, how tall are you? I don't know how that conversation began, but he told me 6'4". I was like, shut up. No, you're not. (laughs) Like, that is, no, there's no way. You are not 6'4". And for me, that was just God just, like, pouring out the blessing. Like, no, you know, I'm rewarding you for your faithfulness. Here you go. Like, I just want to bless you above and beyond what you ever thought I could. And for me, that's what it was for me.
3: So I, I flew over for the first time to meet Brandy in Cincinnati. Uh, we met at the airport on a Friday night. It was pretty late in the evening. And I had one of those moments that I thought never existed, meaning kind of walk around the corner looking for somebody who I'd never seen before in person for the first time. And I, I can tell you everything that she was wearing, and I'm weird, so I can tell you how she smelt and all these things. But I, I can see it in my mind. Um, but walking up to her... Um, she was all the five ten, so that was like wow, she's a very tall tall lady. So there was this this is not a drawback, by the way. I'm I'm six four, so I, I should back up prior to actually flying over, and this is only after a month and a half, a very long time before I flew over to meet Brandy. <laughs> after a month and a half or so of messaging, Skyping, talking on the phone, um, quite a bit. I mean it was just just a great time uh, leading up to meeting her. Um, I knew when I flew over that this is potentially somebody I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I thought it was absolutely insane that I thought that after maybe six weeks or so. Not that I doubted it. It's just not normal. And so, but I flew over, got the chance to meet her in person. Absolutely memorable, fantastic moment. We had four, five, six days together. I forget. Um, but the next morning, I actually got to have breakfast with her entire family, who then grilled me um, over uh, with several questions. That was pretty enjoyable, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was just a really really great time. And for myself, um, when I left there and flew back to Washington, I knew that I didn't um, want to be with anybody else. And so when I got back, I'm like, how? You know, I I already knew the feeling was there, so I'm like the the logistics. How is this going to work? I mean, there's a there's a lot going on there, so it took uh, took a few months to figure it out. I would just echo as well that there's several desires that I, I personally had. Um, I would say needs and desires and wants alike that were absolutely fulfilled in Brandy, especially after I'd met her in person.
1: So, we haven't interviewed anybody who has been in a divorce situation and it kind of leads to two natural questions, uh, reaching to two different people. What would you say to that couple? That's almost at that point of we're ending it, you know, they're at that tipping point of dissolving the marriage. And then also, what would you say to that couple or that person who has been through that divorce and is wondering, should I, or I'm interested in finding a new spouse you know what words of advice would you have to those two different groups of people
2: I would say if you're on the verge of ending it you will never regret doing everything you possibly can to save your marriage it took me over two years to finally file for divorce from my first husband while he was cheating on me the entire time and I do not regret those two years that I waited for one second, because I can look my children in the eyes and tell them I did everything. I did everything I possibly could to try and save my marriage. And so I don't have an ounce of regret for doing everything I possibly could to try to save my first marriage. So that's what I would say to the first scenario.
3: No, I 100% agree on that. If somebody were to approach me and ask ask about that in regards to any of their marriage I would say I'm speaking to a guy specifically and um, this is very fresh for me because I have a, a friend um, not not around this area but a friend of mine who uh, their marriage has been on the rocks for a few different reasons for a while and there's been some encouraging words from him that I, through a phone call in regards to their marriage fairly recently um, so that's that's a great thing but in our conversation, I, I told him to absolutely exhaust yourself. And I don't mean that as if like, you know, expending your energy towards your wife is exhausting, but you need, you need to know mentally and spiritually in every way that you gave absolutely everything that you can to try to save your marriage.
2: So what was the second part again?
1: To that person who, so they've gone through that divorce and they're wondering, I guess maybe, should I should I go out and pursue somebody else or remain single or they meet that person that they didn't expect and now it's like okay I do want to pursue a relationship what words of caution or wisdom in starting that new relationship would you you give them
2: I guess there's a lot of different scenarios but if there's like children involved and stuff like that I would say don't expect something to happen overnight. You're not going to be this wonderful, happy, blended family overnight. It takes a long time for two families to become one because that's essentially what's happening is you have two separate families, and you're kind of just cramming them all together and to become one. And we, before we got married, we read the book The Smart Step Family. We started it. Um, I'm not sure if we finished it, but um, we started it. And but it gave us a lot of wisdom on um, pursuing that and that it's not like you can just put it in a blender and everyone's blended in, you know, happily. It's more of like a slow cooker, like you throw everything in and you like slowly bring it, become one family, one thing. And I think that is extremely true. Like it's taken us a long time to get to where we're at today, but um, we have come so much further than when we first began. So I would just take it slow even though we were only together for six months beforehand. But it is is—it <laughs> is, <laughs> is wise to take it really slow and
0: to pray about it and continually seek God about it. I think, and this is a perception of mine, but it's based on growing up in the church and also um, having a father who's been divorced. Um, the Christian church doesn't always do a great job of handling the topic of divorce. Uh, we hear a lot about how much God hates it. Um, And yet, as both of you, I'm sure, know, it takes two people to stay in a committed relationship. And um, it's it's hard as somebody who has seen what the church can do to people with the stigmas and um, the hurtful things that people can say unintentionally. So I'm just wondering if the two of you could speak to um, any of that, if you felt any of that, or if there was any words of advice you could give to Christians regarding how um, they handle people who've been through divorce, because I believe it's 50% of all marriages, including Christian marriages, end in divorce. So the chances of a pastor talking to somebody who's been through that pain is pretty high.
2: Personally, my advice would be to limit your advice to that person. Um, I had a lot of people very involved in my life. I was really close to so many people because I had grown up there since my whole life. And so I just had a lot of really deep roots. And I had a lot of opinions telling me a lot of different things. And it was overwhelming. I had people tell me, you need to divorce him, you need to divorce him. I had people tell me, no, that's a sin to divorce, you shouldn't divorce him. And like, it didn't matter which way I turned, I was going to upset anybody. And so you just have to get to the place of being confident in what you're doing. And just, you know, continually praying. I wanted God to specifically write it on a wall. God, tell me what to do. Like, will you just write it on the wall? Will you tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do here? Because then I would feel okay about it. But I don't believe he's going to ever do that. So if somebody's waiting for that, um, you're going to be waiting a very long time for God to specifically tell you exactly what you should do in that circumstance. And then I also had people speak into my life about, because one of the things I couldn't get out of my head is the fact that the Bible says God hates divorce. And I was like, how can I do something that God hates? I know that in the New Testament, Jesus gives, you know, a reason why you can divorce. And I have that reason, but how can I do something that he also said that he hates? Like, I know I have the ability to, but how can I do it when I know that he hates it? And so I would... I was just playing those stories over and over again in my head. And I had a lady call me up and um, it was actually one of my best friend's mother-in-law. Like I've never really spoken to her, but she just called me up and she's, and she just explained to me the historical background behind the God hates divorce verse in the Bible. And, And it's because they were just divorcing over everything. And it was just him saying like, no, I hate divorce. Stop doing this. And so, like, that helped me to get to a place to where I was like, okay, that's, you know, the historical context of that statement. So, all right, I'm really not doing, you know, it's okay. <laughs> like, I can do it. And, um, and then I had another person speak into my life and just say, just because you're divorcing him doesn't mean that um, God still can't move. God can still move even though you are divorcing him, and he can still bring reconciliation, and he can still do things. He's bigger than divorce, and um, so that just gave me the next step to where I felt confident enough to be able to say, make that decision for myself and stop waiting for God to write something on my wall and tell me what to do and know that he trusts me to make that decision, and he will bless it whichever way I would have chose. I could have chosen to stay and keep waiting, he would have blessed me in that, and I could have chose to, um, and I did choose to divorce, and he had favor on me the entire time as well. So my advice is to never tell the person what they should or shouldn't do, um, and just tell them to seek God and to do what they think is best. and to make every effort to fix it if they can.
3: I, I remember early on for myself, prior to getting divorced, I had a a couple of good friends echo this, but I think it's important to point out that in Scripture that God does hate divorce, but I've never read that he hates the divorced person. So those are two distinctly different things. Um, and it's understandable why God would hate divorce Is something he created to... Reflect the relationship with him and 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 him and us, and so that's once it's fractured. I, having been through it as well as Brandy, it's horrific. Been through a lot of circumstances in my life, some that have happened to me, some things that I've caused. But it is absolutely the, um, you know, fast forward nearly ten years now. It's still, you know, I've healed from it, but the effects of it are still. They, they still continue. I mean, I'm still breathing, so the effects of it will, will continue until I go see Jesus. And so they just don't have a stronghold over me. That's the big thing. But just hearing from my friends nearly 10 years ago that God does not hate you while making the decision to divorce was extremely important because um, I cared and still care very much about— um, my perception or people's perception of me at times sometimes a little too much and sometimes uh, rightfully so and so that was a big deal for myself
0: I was just gonna say when Brian and I were in graduate school I think we did do you remember what it was called it was like classes (laughs) it was a stress survey I think it was divorce was right up there um, as one of the hardest things that you can ever face in life So for somebody who's listening to this who um, may have a spouse who's ready to leave um, or it just feels like their marriage is falling apart and they think divorce might be what's in the future for them. Do you have some practical advice for how you got through that kind of pain? I don't know. There's just a lot of tears like
2: it's in. So I would go to I would wait till my children went to bed and I would cry out before God and um, just lay it all out there. You know, everything that I was feeling, everything. And then I eventually got to the place of I think I carried my ex husbands salvation on my shoulders. I felt like I needed to save him. I needed to do you know x y or z I needed to do whatever it took because I felt like he was on a road to destruction and I felt like I was the one who needed to save him and it took me quite a while to come to the place of no it's God's job not mine it doesn't matter what I say what I do I can't be eloquent enough I can't I thought for sure that I could say all the right things because I'm really good at arguing and I'm really, you know, good at getting my point across. So I thought that, you know, surely I could talk some sense into this guy and I could, you know, if anybody could fix this, it would be me, you know, I could do this. And so God really had to show me, no, you know, it's me, it's not you, only I can. And I had to, when I finally hung that up and gave that to God, I had the freedom, you know, to be able to, to do um, and operate and not have those, that burden on my shoulders that was never mine that I should have carried.
3: Uh, I think Brandy, she said just a little bit ago, but really limiting the number of people, not, not because a lot of people have bad intentions with what, the, what, what they want to say, just sometimes they're not that informed of statements, that's all. Uh, but really limiting who speaks into your life. Um, so I had just a few. Um, yeah, three three or four people of myself. Lots of people had things to say all the time. Well-meaning, just not always beneficial. So just a few people in my life who would, uh, one in particular would regular, regularly say, uh, breathe, uh, don't forget to breathe, you know, just kind of uh, calm down, You know, and that that was pretty big. It's not that spiritual it's practical, but it but it helps a whole lot. So just taking the time to breathe right in the early stages of uh, divorce. And and once again, both of us, we had kids, you know, in the middle of our divorce, too. So that's a that throws a whole nother. It was a mess. And so there was so much going on. So being reminded to do the simple task of breathe, get some good sleep you know, if you can, and I can echo what Brandy said, I had several nights where I thought I was going to have a panic attack, just, just freaking out. I'm always future thinking. That's kind of, I think Brandy would echo that. And so looking down the road and seeing what this could become with, for myself, living situation for my kids on and on and on was absolutely Mm -hmm. mentally and spiritually exhausting. And so that's, just how my personality works. So taking the time to breathe. So if there is somebody in that situation, calm down. If you can, breathe. Remember that God does not hate you. Whether you're the one at fault or the one committing um, uh, offenses towards your spouse. Um, obviously, both need to be talked to differently. But just just taking the time to to relax if you can. And hopefully that's through some, some other godly man or woman or couple in your life, you know, carrying you through a time you can't carry yourself.
1: So what difference has God made in your marriage this time around?
3: I, I think for myself, the, uh, the period of time. So I had, let's see here, we met in 2014. So Um, roughly four, four and a half years, and I certainly dated a little bit during that time, but roughly four to four and a half years of primarily being single. So honestly, what went on during that time, as far as healing up, um, once again, people speaking scripture in a helpful way into my life, as well as taking the time for myself to read not only scripture, but various books by trusted authors, things like that, just kind of rethinking um, maybe what marriage could look like later uh, admitting to for myself um, uh, coming to grips with some of my past sins from years prior in my previous marriage um, f- forgiving my ex-wife within my own heart to God you know for some of the things that that happened there um, so those years prior to meeting Brandy for myself were really instrumental I think it really helped set it up it really helps set things up for a healthy relationship to start. And like Brandy has said, it, it's, it's not perfect, but I would say she's probably the closest thing, the perfect that I know I can get here on heaven or here on earth. And so, and I, and I, and I don't say that to, to score points or anything. And, you know, I never thought marriage for the second time was an option. And so it just, just wasn't in my mind. I, I mean, we had talks while we were getting to know each other and I was I clearly told her this, that I was pretty content with being single. Not because I had anything against marriage. I thought, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to raise my kids by myself the next 10, 15 years. Okay, we'll see what happens after that. So I think just getting to the place where there wasn't many needs, if you will, a ton of wants, and uh, she's met so many of those. But all my needs were finally at a place where they were met in Christ practically, and spiritually was really developing.
2: Yeah, I think that would be true for me because in that time of um, being single, I developed such a closeness with God and such an intimacy with God during that time. And so I would say my relationship with with God was better than it had ever been and where he showed himself to me and just how much he loves me in ways that I never would have dreamed like I always thought that he answered everybody else's prayers and that he you know like I fully believe God can do this you know he and I would pray for other people but for some reason when I prayed I just really felt like he wouldn't and so he showed himself to me over and over and over again during that time of like no it's you too like I love you too like and. I love you abundantly, like over the top stuff. And so for me, that intimacy with, with God was, um, just completely changed me and changed my confidence and just changed who I was as a person. And so I would say that's how it's probably affected our marriage, um, now, cause I'm not the same person I was when I was in my first marriage.
1: So what do you think of that? all too often movie storybook uh, title of Happily Ever After. What do you think of the idea of that Happily Ever After?
3: I'm not laughing because I think like it's unachievable or something. I just think the Happily Ever After uh, takes a lot of work and that doesn't um, really show up in a 90-minute video. So I think a lot of times it should be 5, 10, 30, 35 years that should be displayed in that 90 minutes because it takes a while. Um, That's not to say that I wasn't happy when we got married and over the last five years, but it's just been, as she said, a work in progress. And so we're at a healthy place now, but there's been bumps and bruises along the way, um, maritally, um, in regards to parenting, regards to friendship. So there's still, I, I remember thinking that I had everything figured out prior to marrying Brandy like my past sins and um, downfalls or anything about me. It was done. I had years to get it corrected. Everything is just fine. She's got a great guy coming along. Really, this was kind of in my head. I'm so naive. I just hadn't had, during those four years, I just hadn't had the opportunity to really, um, well, to be clear about it, to, to sin in the same way. Um, and the reality is we're both sinful, and so they, I just didn't for four years. I didn't have a an outlet to express it as far as a, a partner to somebody. Well, some of those things were still still there. They weren't dealt with, you know, um, properly. Meaning I didn't, you know, I didn't need to deal with them. I was just a parent and a worker. I didn't have to work through anything as far as being a husband. And so she got the brunt of some of those things. Some of my my strong personality, and I think she would agree, I've gotten the brunt of some of those things. If she has any flaws at all, I don't know. (laughs) Let her answer.
2: Oh, yeah, he definitely got some of the, my strong personality, too. I mean, I think it just depends on the couple if they have, you know, the gumption to put in the hard work and make it happen, Mm because our relationship is hard work, and especially coming into a second marriage It's a lot harder than a first marriage because you've got so many more dynamics and so many more things to fight about than you do (laughs) when you first get married, you know, the first time. So there's a lot of stuff to work out, like, especially the second time around. And I did not even have the faintest idea of how hard it would be. But but it's worth it if you actually put in the work and actually, you know... face stuff and work through stuff even when you don't want to
3: <laughs> yeah. I don't think no matter how long how long the engagement process either you can get everything figured out whether it's six months seven months you know or two years I don't understand why people wait that long I'm just saying but, but uh, I don't think there's a time period where everything can get worked out but the, there's certainly I think you guys would agree there are big issues that certainly do you know our faith uh, like minded in our faith fairly like-minded in our, our parenting, um, how would we handle finances, how, do we, how would we handle school, those, those are things we had to consider.
0: Um, not everyone who listens to this podcast are believers, um, but the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Um, and I, as a believer, believe that those can really only be found in Jesus Christ um, which of those four gifts that we can receive from the Lord um, stand out to you the most in your marriage right now and why? I,
3: I would say for myself, uh, redemption. So there's certainly um, referring to getting divorced. Um, when that happened, it overshadowed everything for a certain amount of time. So therefore, it did not feel like anything um could be redeemed and uh which is sad too for myself having been a christian for quite a while that i thought that i was going through something that was unredeemable by god he'd proved himself time and time and time again prior to that in different ways no doubt this was the biggest thing of my life to be facing I really am, uh, daily, weekly, monthly, all throughout the year, amazed at the fact that God has brought this full circle and redeemed uh, personally my entire life in who I have as a partner that I get to be with until I die. And the fact that my boys get the privilege of having somebody as committed as Brandy in their life. It, it's just, it's still so crazy just to think of, you know, looking back for either whether it's five years in our marriage or the last 10 years of trying to find my footing in some ways. The fact that God can redeem anything, uh, it's amazing.
2: I would say redemption probably as well, but really, I could say all of those um, are vital. But for me personally, it would be redemption because I remember when I was going through the divorce, I posted a scripture above my bed. I did a set of paintings above my bed that I made in, um, they were in Isaiah and I don't remember the exact scripture, but it was, um, talking about, he will, you know, make things grow out of the thorns and stuff like that. And I put that above my bed Believing full heartedly in that scripture was going to come true in my life. Did it come true exactly in my mind how I thought it was going to? No. But it's a hundred times, you know, what I lost, I've gained a hundred times more with Patrick and the boys and my life here and all of that. So everything I lost, I feel like God has blessed me a hundredfold for what I have lost. And um, authenticity is. I don't know. It's vital in my life. I feel like if you are not the same person, um, you know, every day of the week, then there's a problem. So for me, and especially in a marriage and in a relationship, you have to be authentic. You can't have a fake bone in your body. Um, Your kids see it. Your partner sees it And all of those things. And love is, you know, the center of it
0: all. Do you have any other questions, Brian? (laughs) Well, thank you, Colin Firth, for um, co-hosting with me today. Mr. Darcy, I love you so much. No sweat. (laughs) And Brandy and Patrick, (laughs) thank you for coming here and being so vulnerable. And uh, I know, Brandy, you mentioned that this isn't normally, you know, letting your guard down and uh, being open like this. But you are very... um, very honest. You are very authentic, just like Patrick described you. And I appreciate you sharing, um, from your personal pain and also, um, the victory that God's brought in your life to, um, as an encouragement to other people. So thank you so much, both of you for being here. Thank you for having
3: us. Sometimes I, I think, and this is from my experience, having been divorced and not that this whole podcast is about that, but certainly there's been questions about it. Um, you tend to think that you really have nothing to offer three, four, five, ten years down the road if you get married again, or even if you stay single. This was, is probably the first time outside of a one-on-one getting to know somebody conversation, taking the time, and uh, obviously it's on a podcast, but taking the time from a couple who in a short time we look up to it's it's nice to feel like even though we've been married for just five years and coming out of a broken relationships prior to this, that we have something to offer as a as a couple. So for me, I'm not I'm pretty sure Brandy can echo the same thing, but for myself, it's huge. For for the longest time, you know, I didn't talk to a lot of people in depth because it never felt like there's anything to offer. You know, everything was shattered from the past. So what possibly can I say to help somebody else? So, for myself, just to you guys, this was a little nerve wracking driving over here, not knowing what you're going to ask. But it's a very, very affirming for myself and who I am as a man of
0: God. Well, um, just to add to that a little bit, um, you both love the Lord very much, and it shows. I think when Brian and I were talking about who we wanted to interview for just these four weeks, um, you were one of the couples that made the list, right? And it's not because of, uh, your past. It's because of how you're living it out in the present, your faith and your love for each other. And I also, um, it it just felt confirmed to me that I was supposed to ask you when you were sharing, um, a blog post that you wrote about the pain of going through the divorce, something that you wrote before, I believe, before you met Patrick, Brandy. And, um, I've gotten to know you a little bit over this past year and um, also have seen just the Lord anoint you in the way that you share on Tuesday mornings with all the women. And there is no doubt in my mind that God is going to continue to use your story and the story that he's weaving and the redemption that he's weaving for his glory to encourage others. And this podcast, this podcast is just a tiny little blip on that. So thank you so much For being here and being open and uh, vulnerable. Praise God. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, please hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real and having clarity through detours and distractions. Per usual, you can follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag finding something real. And of course, you can also sign up for the free clarity resources that go along with this current series by heading over to my website at janellewood.com. Remember friend, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.